Welcome inside the Braves booth. Happy to have you all with us alongside Joe Simpson and our producer engineer, Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you. And this is our first show of the regular season. Previous few shows we did were down in Florida at spring training, but we're back. We're in Atlanta. We're sitting in the booth right now. Braves take on the Nationals tonight in the second game of this three-game series. And uh, Joe will wrap up the homestand tomorrow, but looking for a couple of wins and looking for some good starting pitching. Braves have been lacking that the last few nights. Yeah, it hasn't been very pretty, Ben, uh, starting with Ian Anderson, who to me just didn't look ready. You know, he's, uh, of all the starting pitchers, uh, he perhaps got shortchanged the most. And I don't mean that as a negative, casting negative thoughts on on the staff. It's just that he uh, had the blister. Things happen in such a way that he didn't get enough innings and Brian Snitker keeps talking about, you know, I needed another week. Mm-hmm. And maybe I should say Ian Anderson needed another week. Not that he got shortchanged. His release point was horrible on his changeup. He bounced more changeups on Sunday than he's bounced in his entire pro career. So that, to me, says he just w- wasn't sharp with his release point, didn't feel right, and hopefully he'll be better next time out. Now, yesterday, Waskari Noah... Uh, I think that was more of the same of what we saw from Waskar at the end of the year. A little inconsistent, mm-hmm. you know. His slider just wasn't there. He continues to throw it to try to get it right. He made a good couple of good pitches with it, but he got burned on it several times with hangers. So hopefully tonight that all changes. Yeah, deep counts early. Oh, I mean, man. I mean, just lots of 3-2 counts. And and this third inning number is, is pretty wild. As uh, of all the runs the Braves have given up in the first five games of the season, 40% of them have come in the third inning. That's wild. I think it's 12 out of out of 30 runs have come in the third inning. So uh, maybe I'd expect the, maybe the fourth inning when you start to get through the, the order the second time, but uh, we've seen the third inning. And But if you think about it, Ben, there's been so much traffic in the first two innings. By the third inning, you're going through the top of the right order Right back again. to the top. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like, uh, well, a couple of guys in the rotation had clean innings in the first, but it just seems like they've had to work out of the stretch a lot early on. Like I said, two games left in this series tonight and tomorrow. A day game versus the Nats. And then the Braves head to uh, San Diego to see the Padres for four and then the Dodgers for three. Regardless of results, this has been a very fun homestand because we've gotten to uh, look back on the accomplishments of 2021. Every night there has been a giveaway, a theme, a celebration, a video, something like that. And that is incredible. It is a blast. That said, is it fair to say that the players are probably ready to get on a plane, go to San Diego, get through this first homestand? And at that point, they say, okay. We're in the season now. We're past all of the celebrations and all the ceremonies from last year as much as we loved it. Time to turn the page, focus on 2022. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it is. And don't think for a minute that the Braves players don't appreciate all that's been done this week. They do, and they're honored. They're humbled. But uh, sometimes, um, you know, even one executive told me that uh, maybe opening day they ask him to do too much. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was a loss to the Reds. You know, the, the walk up, uh, the battery. Uh, all the all the ceremony, pomp and circumstances, you called it before the game. That was just day one, and right. as you said, there was more to follow after that. So yes, uh, get on the road, sleep a little later, you know, get back into more of a road baseball routine. I think that'll do them wonders. I think it will as well. And uh, tonight we'll get to see the second game of this series, and it'll be the first time we see Bryce Elder 
Uh, he comes up, makes his big league debut tonight. So we'll see Bryce out there this evening. What a rise for him. Last year was his first season in professional baseball, coming from the University of Texas, climbed up the minor league system last year. Uh, we saw him twice at spring training. Very impressed with, with what he is and, and the makeup that he has. We saw him the very first game of spring training, and it, I think it was nine up and nine down. Um, last game of this uh, spring training was outstanding. Maybe gave up one hit. This guy has me as jacked up to see him pitch in a real big league game as anybody in a long time. Uh, he hasn't had that much fanfare and buildup, and that's uh, that's going to be a good thing for him. But uh, I I am predicting, you know, me and my predictions, I am predicting that when he gets in the rotation, he's going to be here to stay for a long time. That would be great because that means that he came up and he impressed us and was ready for the moment. Yeah. I know when we were down there at spring training, we got some really good reports from Paul Davis, yes. uh, Braves pitching coordinator. And he had some really high praise for Bryce Elder. He's, he's aggressive. You know, Paul was talking about how he has uh, been focused and ready for this moment tonight uh, ever since he signed. And when you have that, it's not that you're just focused on tonight. You're focused on tonight be the launching pad for a career in the big leagues. Uh, we like the way he pitched. I think you would agree that he was aggressive when we mm-hmm. saw him in spring training. Now then, qualifying that, it was spring training. And it was sometimes against some uh, a mixture of minor league players. This is not that type of game tonight. It's a good lineup. But he's got good stuff, and he throws strikes. That might be the biggest key for him, throwing strikes, because with all the issues that we've seen the last few nights, that's probably the first issue that sent starting pitchers on a, on a path they didn't want to go down. Too many 2-0, 3-1 counts. And Bryce Elder, like you said, at spring training, we didn't see too much of that. And hopefully he can get out there, calm his nerves, and just get the job done. I think that there's a couple of ways to look at it, because if if you're Bryce Elder tonight, number one, you want the team to win. It's your job to give your your team an opportunity to win a ball game. Right. Second off individually this is an opportunity for him to take a job there there is a job there to be won he makes a good start tonight we're going to see him again in five or six days i don't think there's any doubt about that and and if you continue to go out there every five or six days and you give your team an opportunity to win it's going to be like you said you're going to be in the big leagues permanently at that point you know last year it seemed like there were times where guys would get called up and pitch and then they turn around and go right back to Gwinnett. Mm-hmm. um and then we'd see him again in three weeks because there was a day off that kind of screwed up the the rotation so they needed somebody to come in and they'd spot start again well they don't really want to do that the Braves don't they want somebody to step in and take it it's an opportunity and I hope that he's able to uh, pitch well tonight get past the nerves you know in the first inning and settle in and do what we've seen him do very excited for him. I mean, it's always Me thrilling too. anytime a young man gets an opportunity to come up and make his debut. And I know we've been big fans of Bryce Elder ever since we saw him for the first time at spring training. Very easy to pull for and pulling hard for him tonight. One other guy I want to ask you about, great start for Matt Olson. And we've discussed this. Uh, we st- I know we talked about it at spring training where you're a brand new player. In, in an organization. Uh, add another level to that, you're coming home. He's an Atlanta guy coming from Oakland, coming all the way back home. There could be a lot of pressure on a guy in Matt Olson's shoes. And if there has been, I haven't seen any signs of it. No, and it's not easy. It's not easy to come home and play. You got a lot of people tugging at you, a lot of people calling, wanting tickets. You know, where, where are my tickets tonight? Uh, Matt, my tickets aren't out here. Where, where are they? Uh, so you're trying to please everyone. And it's it's hard to ple- it's hard to do that. You almost need to turn it over to someone else so you can concentrate on baseball. 
and whatever uh, has been the case, he has been able to concentrate on baseball, and he's just doing a great job. And everyone's happy for him because everybody knows about that pressure. Yeah, he is. And um, it's been fun to see him. It's been fun to see his bat speed. Um, fun to see him go to all fields. I, I, I loved seeing his first home run the other night. That was awesome. And I think he and, and Austin at two and three or whatever you have them this year are going to be a lot of fun to watch in this lineup because while it's Matt's first year, he's he's continuing to excel in his big league career. Each of his seasons in the big leagues, his numbers have gotten better and better. And we're starting to say the same thing for Austin Riley, who's just turning into a star. And to see those guys in the order back-to-back, that's been a blast. Yeah, Matt's already in his prime. Austin is, is growing into it. Uh, he's a few years younger. And after his success last year and now – uh, batting third, being plugged into the three-hole in the order every night, that's got to give him a lot of confidence, too. And he's handling it very well. I, I just love the um, improvement for Austin Riley. Last year, we, we've talked about this before. We had someone from the team come in along about May and say, man, we need to find a third baseman uh-huh. because things were going so poorly for Austin Riley. Well, thankfully... That didn't happen. We had one. They, they couldn't find anybody <laughs> else, and they had to stick with the guy they had, and that was a good one. That seems like it'd be a topic for two or three years ago, yeah. not last year. That's true. And it just shows you how well he flipped the switch on last year. By the way, as we're sitting here doing this podcast, I'm looking down on the field, and I see Mike Soroka throwing. Isn't that great? That is great. And we knew that he had been going through a, a running drill. Is that what he told you? Some, some running exercises? He, he called it r- running progressions. Okay. And we thought that he might be throwing pretty soon. Well, he's throwing right now as he's down the right field line. So that doesn't mean we expect to see him in the first three or four months of the season. But if you get to August, maybe he's there for you to make some starts. Who knows? Wouldn't that be awesome? Go down to Gwinnett and make about 10 starts down there Uh or so and, and get your act together down there. That would be great. And then be 100% for that point of the season. That'd be a huge lift for this team. Speaking of guys getting closer to 100%, I know Ronald Acuna is getting closer and closer. He's been doing some baseball activity in terms of taking balls in the outfield. Uh, We've seen him run the bases. He's been in the cage for for several weeks, even months. Uh, So that part hasn't been an issue. But once he comes back, would you anticipate one, two, three, Acuna, Olsen, Riley every single day? I pretty much would. I think so, too. Uh, Boy, would that be a hot top of your order uh he he looks ready in the cage you know running the bases uh cutting turning in the outfield all those things and especially throwing you know it's amazing how how much torque you put on your knees when you're throwing too from the outfield so that's a big deal and that's why they're taking it slow they're just not going to let him run the risk of uh re-injuring it and no better example of that then Joey Votto, who was just in here this pat to open the season, they let Votto come back too soon with the Reds, and it cost him another year. He, he re-injured that knee because he said he felt good. Yeah. Well, Ronald feels good, too. It just takes time for that to heal properly. I don't mind missing him for six weeks, so long as it means when he comes back, he's there. Right. Rather than you, you give up a full year because you brought him back too soon. Correct. Need him in there. So uh, the Braves 2-3 and three to start the first uh, five games of the season. We'll see what takes place tonight, tomorrow, to wrap up this homestand. Uh, bringing this to uh, ourselves for a second, we all got our rings. Well, you two guys did. Mine's coming. I had a little snafu with the sizing and, and the Justin's ring company and all that. However, it's coming. But um, your impressions of seeing that box, opening the box, seeing the ring for the first time? 
Uh, it was just a big thrill. And to be included, I think, uh, as part of what the team accomplished, uh, to be told that uh, we're a very important part of bringing Braves baseball to Braves country all over the Southeast uh, is a very humbling and uh, great honor. And for them, for the Braves to see fit to let us have a ring, uh, makes uh, it's like being included. Right. You're part of the team. And that makes me feel very proud. Sure does. It's um, it's a thrill of a lifetime to do what we do every single night. And it's an additional thrill to be included um, and, and be thought of and get a World Series ring. It was enough for me just to be in the chair calling that those games. I mean, thinking about how much fun you and I had calling those games and seeing the team win the World Series. You, you hope that it happens again, but you never know. And uh, if it doesn't, at least we have this because it's the most fun I've ever had. You know, Ben, there's a lot of broadcasters in the broadcasting wing of the Hall of Fame that never got to do what you did. Mm -hmm. You know, they may have uh, been in the postseason. They may have called some postseason games, but never got to call the last out for their home team winning the world championship. That's uh, that's quite special and something that I know you won't ever forget. It's amazing. I mean, it is. And, And I've thought a lot about those guys. Uh, I spent a lot of time this offseason thinking about broadcasters who have been around 30, 40 years that, I mean, and so in some cases never even broadcasted an inning of a World Series. Right. Think about Euchre in, in Milwaukee or uh, Dave Sims in Seattle. Um, Tom Hamilton has been to a few of them, but never won one with Cleveland. Howie Rose has been to a couple, never won one with New York. And it's just an amazing thing to get there and to win it and, and getting to experience that with you guys and our team and, and, and our fan base. It just truly is something that I never take for granted. It, it's just off the charts. It's a, it's a wonderful thing, Ben. And uh, going back to the ring, I mean, I'm curious what your initial re- emotions were on it. it number one, we didn't know which ring we were getting, as if that matters. You know, are, are you getting... Same thing the players get. Does, there, does the top open up? And it, and it does. And I'm just blown away when I see the, the ring top to bottom and what it looks like. I remember, um, and, and I can't wait to put these two rings side by side. In 2008, I, I won a, uh, I was part of the, I was the broadcaster for the Mississippi team. And we won the Southern League. And I got a ring for that. I think that ring can fit into the ring hole of this <laughs> ring. <laughs> I can't wait to put them together. Uh, uh, but to experience rides like that, man, I mean, that was that was the minor leagues. And I still look back on that year, that season, that summer, as one of the most fun summers of my entire life uh, with a bunch of guys that accomplished so much. And I, I view last season the same way. And you're just completely overcome with this gift from the organization, that the organization thinks enough of you to include you with the likes of the players and the coaches and the staff and recognize how hard you work and how important your job is to bring Braves baseball to Braves country. And it's a tremendous honor. And uh, like you said, to be included in that is just over. It's so over the top. It's um, you can't even quantify such a thing. And uh, I'll never get tired of looking at that ring. No, sir. It's a great thing. All right. You can send us your questions. Bravesbooth at gmail.com. Anytime you uh, fire away, we, we have that in our inbox, and we can always bring it up on the next show. So we have a long list of questions to get to in a short amount of time today because I know we have Snit coming up here in about 30 minutes that you got to interview him. So we'll jump right into these. Uh, I thought this was a really good question. This is from Melissa, and Joe, this is one that you can answer. Uh, Melissa says, during the Red Sox game, you guys were talking about Kyle Wright and his working with the mental performance coach. How long has the team had someone like that 
that on staff. I think this is great, especially for the young players making the transition to the majors and all the added stress that entails. Thanks, Melissa. That's a great question. It is, and and I don't know how long um, Matt is it Matt Sorensen. It is uh, no is it Zach Sorensen. Zach Zach Sorensen is the uh, mental coach, and I think he's been with the ball club. I'll say three or four years tops, and I kind of scoffed at it at first, you know, thinking, you know, who needs somebody to be in your <laughs> head uh, when you're trying to play in the big leagues. But uh, it's obvious that some guys do. Right. Some guys just don't have that uh, uh, ability to slough off uh, mistakes, uh, failure. And we all know how much failure there is in this game. And for ha- to have somebody help you learn how to deal with it. And Kyle Wright, first and foremost, steps right into that mode. Man, it, it, what a valuable tool that is to have on any ball club sure it is and how talented zach must be to evaluate individuals and know which buttons to push this isn't like the scene in the natural where they're going through the losing skid and the guy comes in and losing is a disease yes (laughs) as contagious as polio that old thing and roy hobbs rolls his eyes and leaves the room this is not that i mean these guys are um it's such a high pressure situation for these players and how they deal with stress and how they deal with ups and downs, uh, that, that's, an, that's really on an individual basis. And to have someone there to help them through all that, uh, highs and lows, I think it's extremely beneficial for the organization. And if you're looking for uh, a great case of, of that working, just look at Kyle Wright and the difference that's made for him. Yeah, so those guys are here to stay. Uh, those uh strength and conditioning coaches, the mental conditioning coaches. Right. You know, all of those guys play an integral part, and they were instrumental in the Braves winning it all last year. Hey, JC. Hey, Ben. How you doing? Good. I was just kind of thinking, listen to the two of you discuss uh, the answer to that question. I like to think of myself as um, your mental health coach. (laughs) That explains a lot, actually. Next question. (laughs) You know, if you're our mental health coach... We're Man, doomed. This is a this is gonna be a long year. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. All right, moving along. <laughs> uh, this question is from Matthew and it's directed towards Joe. He asks, since you're on the broadcast team for both championship runs, how does 2022 the 2022 team compare to the 1996 team in terms of their hopes for a repeat? Also, do you remember there being this much optimism back then? Yes, I do. 96, the team was awesome. I think they were better than the 95 team. I thought 1996, we were the best team in baseball. And I still feel that way. Yeah, We just came up a game or two short and won those first two games in New York. Uh, Andrew hit the home runs. I believe that was 96. Yeah, it was. It was 19. Yeah, and uh, we won both games up there and came home riding high. I just, I just knew that was going to be automatic. So that was very disappointing not to win that back-to-back. And by comparing it to this year, I think there's a lot of similarities because I think this team right now that the Braves have here on April 12th is so much better than the team was at the same time a year ago. Right. I think it's much improved. And sometimes that's enough 
to win a, a, another championship. Other times, not so much. The the baseball history is filled with teams that felt like they were the better team, but they didn't win. And, and I go back to a conversation when the Reds were in town. Tommy Thrall, their broadcaster, was in here, and he was telling me something that Jeff Brantley had told him. And I'd never heard this before, but I thought it was so true, where he said a lot of times when you win a World Series – you don't pick the year. The year picks you. Mm-hmm. And you just look back on it and say, it, it just fell in line. It was just supposed to happen. And that's how I feel about 2021. And I hope I'm feeling that way about 2022 as well. Yeah, I think that's a very good description. Uh, we have a good question here. Um, we've seen a lot of pitchers make their, their debuts in the last few years. This is from Ryan. It appears Bryce Elder will make his debut today. What's the most exciting part for you guys about watching a young pitcher make their debut? Love the podcast and listen to the games. Jay Chad? Uh, Seeing the pitcher realize their dream, uh, number one. But number two, um, behind that for me would be seeing on the TV monitor their family uh, in the crowd and seeing how much it means to them as well. Yeah, I think for one isolated night, it's exactly what he said experiencing a big league experience for the first time, being out there, experiencing the mound, uh, seeing the crowd shots of the family and, and the friends who are there. After that, to me, it's about the evolution of the young man because I love watching that. Start two, start three, start 20, start 30. And it, it's nothing that happens overnight. It's nothing that happens over the span of a month. I, I love watching the journey. And you and I talked about this last night on the broadcast. Kyle Wright's a great example. Max Fried's a great example of guys that we have watched go from used out of the bullpen, go up and down, AAA, big leagues, to getting an everyday spot or getting a, a spot in the rotation every five days, to getting an opportunity in the postseason, to here's the ball in one of the biggest games of the year, to winning that game. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching that progression for Max Fried going from big prospect all the way up to winning game six of the World Series. That was so much fun to watch. And watching the evolution of a young pitcher to me is one of my favorite things. Yeah, I, I like Bryce Elder a lot. And from what I've seen so far, I think he has the makeup to be that same type of guy uh, to grow into that role. Did you guys see the uh, end of the Masters? Yes. Uh, Scotty Scheffler. Uh-huh. He's walking to go turn his scorecard in. To me, that was like hugging his wife, hugging his mom and dad, hugging his sisters. And it may, may not be his sisters. I don't know who they were, but <laughs> that they were all relatives that, you know, had had walked every hole with him his entire junior golf career. And now this was like a huge culmination, winning a major. Uh-huh. That, that's kind of what happens tonight, too. Great ma- point. Making it here. Yeah, great point. And it's it's fun to watch because we get to do this every single day. And it's a it's a blast to watch that because there's this, there's different elements of the team. They're all working as one team. Wins and losses the most important thing, but there are little side stories here and there throughout the course of the season. A lot of times it's about an individual and their growth and where they are as they continue to get better and better in the big leagues. Here, I got a couple of questions because this answer is going to be very short. Hey, have you guys forgiven J. Chad for driving almost 100 miles uh, in the wrong direction a week ago? That's from Bud. No, we've not forgiven him. We will never forgive him. We'll continue to crush him at every turn. How about that? Negative. We have not. <laughs> It was funny. Yeah, I, I can't answer that question. I mean, it's not directed at me. It was a mistake. What do you want me to say? <laughs> we almost drove all the way home. We almost made it to Georgia. Hey, went, yeah, at least I was paying attention somewhat and realized, while the two of you were buried in your phones, that <laughs> the exits were going up instead of down. Yeah. It was raining. It was raining, you know. You had you had windshield wipers. I didn't. 
Here's one you can't answer, JC. Um, hello, Braves booth. I was wondering how I could get a Chip Carey autograph. I've been a Braves fan for a long time, and it would be a blessing to receive one from him. Please let him know I'm looking forward to re- receiving one at some point. That's from Jeff. Uh, Jeff, I think you have the wrong booth. <laughs> uh, and why do you want Chip Carey's autograph? That's what I want to know. I, I don't understand that. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Jeff might be Chip. Maybe, oh. he's, maybe he's emailing us point. under an yeah. alias. I yeah. tell you what. He's so jealous of our podcast. TV's yeah. back to traveling. I might sit next to Chip on the plane tomorrow and uh, try to... Yeah, look at his screen. Try to see if he has an alias or two. I got a better idea. When they send out, maybe they already have the seat assignment, so let's just put Jeff Rich right. where his seat is. Yeah, where his seat is. And he'll know. Yeah, he will. <laughs> busted. Yeah. Completely busted. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is from Chase in Oxford, Alabama. Hey, guys, love the podcast. I was wondering if you were given the opportunity to give a pregame speech or motivational message to this year's Braves team, what would you say? Go, Ben. You guys know who Lee Ely is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably something along those lines. No, I'm kidding. I always thought it would be the funniest thing because Lee was in the organization for a little while, about 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always thought it would have been the funniest thing if the team weren't going all that well. Uh, This is maybe when Freddie Gonzalez was the manager, walking in, closing the door and say, fellas, Lee's got something he'd like to say for a minute. And everybody would just roll laughing because they obviously remember his rant from the early 80s. Yes. And and how amazing that was. But, uh, yeah, something like that. I think I'd have them running through a wall. By the time you got through? Yeah. We're talking about the wannabe mental health coach here. Yeah. They'd be ready to go tonight. <laughs> would they? They would. Nothing I can say on this podcast, but... But you'd shake them up. I'd shake them up. Come on now. Yeah, I bet you would. <laughs> uh, guys, what are each of your favorite aspects about the World Series ring, and is there anything you would have added or subtracted from it? Uh, one more, where, where will you keep it? That's from Tucker. I don't think there's anything to add. No, I don't think there is either. They they get they got it all on there somewhere somehow, and mine will probably go into a safe deposit box. But uh, my favorite, and maybe it's close to my heart, but on the part that lifts up on the underside of the lid, uh-huh. we are those dot dot dot. <laughs> so good, they made that. On <laughs> no, the no. Way. My favorite part is uh, was looking down when I received it and seeing my name on it. Yeah. That was really, really cool. Uh, and then where will I keep it? Well, I can't tell you that, Tucker. Oh, yeah. He yeah. might kind of I can't tell you find that. Him. But I it'll just, be in a safe spot. Yeah. And you had an opportunity to take yours to your dad and let him see it, right? I did. We How received cool. ours on Sunday, the day after the players. And so uh, first stop when I left the stadium was going by my parents' house so he could see it, and they were pretty proud. That's terrific. I was, I was really... I was on cloud nine yesterday when I found out that some members of the Braves broadcast crew were going to get rings, that the Braves were so generous that Gretchen Caney, Mike Miller, uh, Brandon Culpepper, and Drew got rings. Now, that is so special, and in all the years I've been in baseball, I've never heard of that. Gretchen Caney has been a Braves fan since she was just a little girl. Grew up in Decatur, uh, daughter of a minister, and just idolized John Smoltz, but loved the Braves. And here she is producing the broadcast now. She's she's like that proverbial prospect, you know, that yeah. worked their way to the big leagues. And here she is, the head producer, lead producer of Braves TV. And 
I don't know if there's anyone, and I told her this, I don't know if there's anyone that probably appreciates their ring more than she does. And she said when she found out, she and her dad both cried. That's amazing. So that's really cool. That's American dream right there, brother. It is. Absolutely it is. So good. Trent from Melt Grove, California. He has a couple questions. Number one, will any of you eat the Braves championship burger? Number two, if each if each of you were in a food eating contest, which food would you choose to eat to guarantee yourself a win? And three, if you had a food eating contest against each other, who wins? Oh, Ben wins that. Yeah, yeah I think I win the I contest. Agree. Yeah, Ben Ben can I can eat, put out man. some chow, man. He can really eat. I'll have to show you some pictures. We went to a sushi place in spring training two or three times. <laughs> yeah, we did. And I'd say two of the three times I've never seen so much sushi on a table in front of him um, and how he put it away and how he was able to function and move the next day. I have no idea. I got this hollow leg now. I got to fill it up. There's there's that place in Amarillo, Texas, a truck stop, Big Tex, 72-ounce steak. And if you eat it all, you get it for free. But you got to eat the salad. Yeah. You got to eat the baked potato. You got to eat the vegetables. And you can't carve off a lot of meat if you're carving off any of the fat or any of that Take stuff. Take down some gristle. Yeah, and there's a time limit. I have no doubts that Ben could win that and eat it for free. It's a good thing he's tall and very active. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know that you guys could eat more fried okra than I could, though. Yeah. I can put it away, boys. If you put some fried oh. okra in this booth, it'd be a bloodbath. Okay, oh. I think... Uh, Jonathan just raised an eyebrow at me. <laughs> I think we're going to have to find someone somewhere on the road with some fried okra. <laughs> I've had one eating contest in my entire life. This was I was an intern at a radio station when I was in college. I think I was about 22. And it was to see who could eat the most crystal burgers in 15 minutes. And the good news was is I had partied the night before, so I was probably a little bit college hungover, uh-huh. I destroyed everybody. So I how mean, many did you eat in 15 minutes? Like 20-something. Wow. I mean, just throwing them down. I didn't eat for wow. 24 hours. Throwing but. them down and then throwing them up. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so which food so that, would you eat if you had to win a food eating contest? Um, hmm. I, I'd probably do pretty good if you either... Uh, the Crystal Burgers were pretty good. I could just hammer those. Maybe a catfish eating contest. I could hammer some fried catfish. No, I already, Burgers. Told, I already told you okra for okra, me. Okra, yeah. yeah. I mean, I could, I'd, I'd be interested at some point this season in squaring Not off a in a crystal you, contest. You had the uh, Arby's contest during COVID. And I did, and I, I, did not, I won't be doing that again. <laughs> How many did you eat? I forget. I mean, like I five and 15 minutes or something, something like that? Something like that, and I don't think I had anything like to eat. Like the beef and cheddars. Man, that's a lot of bread. I don't yeah. think I had anything to eat for three days. Whew. Wow. But I could and I that, could do the crystal and maybe uh, some soft tacos. Could you eat that? Tacos, that'd be a good one. Could you eat that championship burger? Let's find out. If somebody could would pay, pay for it for you? Bring it on <laughs> up here and let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this one is from Hunter in Starkville, Mississippi. He says, which rookie, AL or NL, are you most excited about watching live this season? Also, I know I've heard you discuss Yellowstone before. What are your thoughts on how the most recent season ended, and did you watch 1883? I know you watched, uh, you're watched. caught up on Yellowstone, Joe. Yeah, I am. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't watched one episode of 1883. Uh, I've got a little thing about the guy who writes 
the the episodes because he keeps including himself he does. in the show in Yellowstone. So he's written 1883, and I've kind of just written him off like, dude, you're a good writer. You write good shows, but quit including yourself to be one of the action figures, yeah. you know? Just stay behind the scenes. So, so I, I protested there. It's Taylor Sheridan. Yeah. I feel like he's the busiest guy in Hollywood. He's writing about 15 shows at once, it Yeah, seems. he's very talented, and he, he's a great writer, but quit including yourself. He's in 1883, by the I way. I know he is. That's why I'm not watching it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, of course, his character in Yellowstone is the, the ladies' man with the... Oh, he's a, he's a man about town with his <laughs> yeah. cowboy hat cocked just so, and he's a... He's a cutting horse riding dude, and I don't fall off when I ride. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you got that character in your show, that's Taylor Sheridan. If he if he wrote it himself in to be some dumbass, you know, <laughs> or some guy just got kicked around or fell off his horse all the time, he'd be cool. He should be Jimmy. Yeah, he should be Jimmy. Just, him Jimmy. just getting the tar beat out of him all the time. Right. Yeah, I can go with that. I like Jimmy. I know you do. Uh, I, I liked 1883. I thought it was really well done. Um I was not that that music has anything to do with this. I'm not the biggest Tim McGraw fan. I'm a big country music guy. Not the biggest Tim McGraw fan. Huge Faith Hill fan. Oh yeah, huge. Oh yeah, and um, big Sam Elliott fan. I yeah. thought he was great. Me too. In it. He was great. So yeah, thumbs up. And as far as rookies go, saw a good one uh, the other day in Hunter Green with the Reds. Oh yeah, uh, really good arm throwing a hundred, hundred two. So that's a rookie that I enjoyed watching. Everybody's bragging on him. Everybody, uh, the Braves hitters were talking about. You know, they most often the the hitters will not give a guy a lot of credit, but they were uh, raising their eyebrow and mm-hmm. talking about how good he is. What do you got, JC? As far as Yellowstone goes, um, I don't want to ruin it for anyone that hasn't completed season four, but I know I can't wait for season five. It is a top three or definitely top five show for me all time. I have not got too far into 1883. And as far as AL and NL Rookie of the Year, I'd rather watch Yellowstone. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Here's a good one. This is from Bud. Just lean on old Bud. Have you guys... No, that was for that was Jay Chad. Sorry, bud. We already read that one. I was on the wrong line. This is from Jerry. Why is Snitker not putting Darno at DH when he's got the day off from catching? Great podcast, guys. Keep it going. That's a fair question. It's a fair question. I think it's a good question. But I would also say, in his defense, you know, catcher is a very demanding position. There are some days when Travis probably just needs the day off. He needs to be off his feet completely. He can always be used to pinch it late in the game. Uh, and there probably will be a point in time during the season where we do see Travis DH, but we're five games in, so I wouldn't freak out about it. There's another side to that, too. Uh, the team just sent Contreras back to AAA, so they have two catchers. If you DH Darno and Pena gets hurt, you lose your DH. That's another side of it, too. He could still pinch hit late in the ballgame if you need him to to right. hit for the DH, whoever that might be. But that's a concern now. It is. I, I think when you did have the third catcher, I, I think yesterday's game was probably the one where you'd look at the lineup and say, okay, why Orlando Arcia and not Travis Darno? Yes. Uh, to me, that's the perfect example of that. But today, like you mentioned, you send down Contreras. Now, uh, that, that makes it a lot more clear. And it could have been one of those things. They need to get another guy at bats. Um, and, you know, who right. knows? There's, there's things all the time that go on down there with guys. Um, whether a guy's, you know, nursing something we don't know about. True. 
And Arcia drove in two runs the first day he DH'd. He almost hit a home run the second day he DH'd. He, yeah. Any other time, that's a home run. Uh, so he's doing just fine. Um, but have we given that news? Uh, maybe people listening to the podcast aren't aware that the Braves made some uh, personnel moves. Right. Um, so Bryce Elder comes up. Um, uh, William Contreras and Tucker Davidson, both options. And Chadwick Trump DFA. Yeah, Chadwick Trump DFA. So we need, still need one more player. Yeah. We, me... sent, we sent out two and we called up one. Um, I'm going to guess it's another uh, pitcher, especially since Strider threw two-plus innings last night and he's not available tonight. Let's see. And maybe not that. available tomorrow afternoon. But uh, I don't know if that's been announced yet or not as far as who the second player would be to be called up. Yeah, the last thing we saw was Elder. Uh, Braves selected the contract to Bryce Elder. He'll start tonight's ball game versus Washington to make room on the 40-man roster. Atlanta designated Chadwick Tromp for assignment. Braves option Tucker Davidson and William Contreras to AAA following the game last night. That was earlier today. Let me see if okay, they... Okay, that, see, that rule that if you option one of your 40-man roster guys back to the minor leagues, you can't call them up until the 17th. So we, we can't call up yeah. one of the uh, infielders. We can't call up Brandon Shoemaker, one of the other mm-hmm. relief pitchers, because they've got to be down there till the 17th. And just like Bryce Elder, you don't want to add another guy to your 40-man roster and have to take somebody off. So they may play, I'll call it a man short if you want, but uh, they may have to wait till the 17th. Oh, I think I know who the other person's going to be. The original Louisiana brand hot sauce, the hottest prospect of them all. Oh. Forgot about him. Well, uh, Chadwick Trump, and then there's Trump Chadwick. So, <laughs> right. so you know. Did we lose our Chadwick? We're keeping our oh, Chadwick. Oh, we'd never DFA him. No. We might put him on waivers, see if anybody wants him. <laughs> He'd clear real quick. Rand, Rand McNally's looking for some, you know, guys that <laughs> help him out on the maps. Since you mentioned Mike Soroka early er, in the podcast, this is from Ethan and Canton. Hey, guys, love your podcast so much. Never miss a game. I'm wondering about Soroka and if you guys think he will be able to play this year. And if he does, can he make an impact? I hope so. I don't think that's a, a question we could possibly answer right now. But given that we saw him throwing literally 15 minutes ago, uh, that's a good sign. And just have him continue on that uh, on that trajectory. And I think once we get into the second half of the season, then we can start to entertain where is he, what does he look like, how is he feeling. It's impossible to know those things right now in the month of April, and I think we'll have to take this just a week at a time. Yeah, he's approaching, you know, not quite there, two-year mark. Yeah. Uh, it was in August uh, two years ago, but uh, it's going to take him a while to build up arm strength. It's going to take him a while to build up some stamina, and they are not going to push that. I would just say – if he gets back on a big league mound this season and he's competing, I would say that's a win. Yeah. Yeah. And anything beyond that's a plus. I agree. Uh, this is from, oh, I love it when people from out of state. This is from Dan Hofferber from Billings, Montana. Guys, I love the podcast. My question is, how many people are on the charter for road games and how many support people does it take to make the team run? That is a really good question. And Dan, you might be shocked to see how many people there how many support people travel on the charter but it's a full plane i know that my guess would be around 70 uh total people on the plane that's probably a good guess uh, but yeah i mean there's there's people that you would never even think about 
um, that have different jobs that require them to travel with the team. It's it's crazy, and it seems like it gets bigger and bigger every year. Yeah, it's a really big traveling party, and it's funny because it is big, but in some ways it, it feels small because we get used to seeing the same people. We're in the same seats on the plane all the time, and um, it's a great way to get to know people because there are people in the organization that I will see but outside of traveling, you you never really come into contact with them. Right. I think about Nate Lee, uh, massage therapist. Your with boy the team. Nate Lee. Yeah, I, I've seen Nate, but I'm never in a position to cross paths with him. He sits directly across the aisle from us on the plane. We've gotten to know each other via the plane, and and a lot of those guys, uh, otherwise we would we would not meet. We get to meet while we're traveling and and get to know other people in the organization. Yeah, I think that's great, and and something you ought to know too is how wonderful it is on most occasions and the charter itself. Delta configured, uh, I don't know, several of their 757s uh, with all first class seating. There's also a little section in the middle of the plane that has seats that face each other where there's a card table. So the guys can play cards if they want. There is a section probably just limited to veterans that have seats that recline all the way out. Uh, It's a fabulous plane. It's a luxury, and the team's not able to use it all the time this time of year because the NBA and the NHL also lease these planes for their travel. But uh, we do have it coming up for our trip to San Diego. I know that, and looking forward to it. Right, we got time for a couple more quick ones. I don't think we know the answer to this one, but maybe this is one we can run by some of the guys down in the clubhouse. Uh, the question is about, um, where was that? Uh, in, in every game, Ozzy or Dansby finish the game with about three pounds of infield dirt on their uniforms. Is there a special cleaning process used to get players' dirt stains out, especially the white uniforms? That's from Ed in Flowery Branch. I tell you what's got to be the toughest one to get off is the guys that have the, the pine tar stain on a shoulder and because they, they rest the bat on the shoulder. And every game, there's a pine tar stain right there on their shoulder. And those Justin Turner with the Dodgers comes example. to mind. Martin Prado. Uh-huh. And every single day, those uniforms look brand new, yeah, like they glistening do. white. So I'm sure it's a lot more than just throwing a Tide Pod in there and letting it rip on the on the uh, on one of the warm cycles. Yeah, I don't know what they use, uh, but I applaud the guys that are doing it because they make them spit shine by the next day. Uh, let's see, we'll do one more, and this is from. Um, let's see, where was this? This is from Chris, and he says, "Hey guys." Uh, you guys rock. Glad you guys are back on the podcast this year. My question was, uh, what was it like in the booth during the World Series calling the final game? How hard was it to control your emotions with a game being so in hand early? Go Braves. That's from Chris. I don't know that we necessarily controlled anything. Oh, did, did you see the video? <laughs> I almost took Joe down. <laughs> it was almost uh, yeah. time for an operation for Joe after j had jumped was, into his arms. It was very fun. Even after all these years, I was sky high. And when Solaire hit that home run, I might as well have been riding on that baseball because it just felt like that's it. That yeah, did it. Yeah, felt like it did. It, it felt like it, it punched the Astros in the gut because he was up there to hit a homer. Yeah. And he tried to hit a homer. And he kept hitting balls foul and fouling them off. And then he hit it and he hit it out of the stadium. It was like, take that. <laughs> I, it was like you, you like kind of had, had a feeling like we got him now. Mm-hmm. Even with the big lead in the bottom of the ninth, I was pacing. Yeah. I was still nervous until. I saw you had that brown bag back there. You were kind of breathing, breathing into, into it. Yeah. yeah. Well, the last time he went to the city of Houston for 
a potential championship oh, didn't right. work out all that well yeah, for him. Yeah, one good. Yeah, he and Matt Ryan. Yeah. yeah. But this time, you got, got the revenge. title. That's right. Yeah, we had we had an amazing time. I, I can say this much. When Soler hit the home run, that's the most out of my shoes I ever came yeah. for a baseball. I mean, because like you said, it just felt like that's it. And then at the end... All I, I don't think I blinked for about two and a half minutes. <laughs> Get the call right, uh-huh. where it's historically accurate, and then we'll party all night. And we did. And uh, Dansby hit another home, hit a homer later. Yeah, I was really happy for Freddie that he hit a homer in that game too. Mm-hmm. Late especially as it was. now. Yeah, especially now. Um, that was a major part of it. So that was good also. All right. Well, that'll wrap things up for our show this week. And uh, please fire away with any questions that you have. Great questions this week, as you always have. And we thank you so much for being out there. Glad to have another season and glad to be here. Glad we're traveling and glad to be the world champs. And uh, we'll be talking to you next week or perhaps even tonight if you tune into our broadcast of the ball game. For Joe, for Jay Chad, I'm Ben. You've been inside the Braves booth. <laughs>